This is always the hardest part. I can't believe we can't figure this part out. He's got. <laughs> he blew it. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, okay. He's Scott. He's Lee. And we're here to save the movies. Episode number nine. Tucker and Dale, Tucker and Dale versus, versus Evil. evil. <laughs> Never can stick the landing on that. Well, we got something to strive for. That's right. That's Everything right. else in the podcast is perfect. Everything else, yeah, it'd be, it'd be too seamless. <laughs> it's like the, the mole on, on Cindy Crawford's face. Yes, this is the Cindy Crawford. This is the 1985 Cindy Crawford of podcasts. Dating myself. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alex. This week we watched Tucker and Dale versus Evil, like Cabin in the Woods, kind of a. To reverse Cabin in the Woods in a way, but yeah. similar to that movie, they're yeah. playing with the trope of the uh, the slasher film. Yeah, set in the woods. Uh, the the two protagonists, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tucker and Dale. I mean, Tucker they're the title. <laughs> are uh, they're they're two hillbillies that bought a cabin out in the woods and they're gonna go out there and do some fishing, right? And they run into these teenagers on the road, um, <laughs> and hilarious hijinks ensue. Yes, and hilarious hijinks ensue. Pretty much. <laughs> Involving wood chippers, which is <laughs> not easy to do, but this movie managed to pull it off. It's a very gory comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's not super gory compared to some others I've seen, but it's pretty, it can be bloody. The wood chipper scene is definitely the worst. Yes, yes. Um, and this one falls under, I feel like, uh, not, this isn't so much an underappreciated movie, it's pretty highly rated, but it's kind of obscure-ish. A lot of people don't quite yeah. understand, don't know what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, everybody I know who's, well, almost anybody who's I know who's seen it, at least enjoys it, if not likes it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Hilarious. <laughs> Can't say enough good things about Tucker and Dale. Yeah. Uh, so they run to these teenagers on the road to the woods, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's some really funny moments with Dale. Looking awkwardly, right, at the right. Teenagers, which they interpret as very ominous, <laughs> right. And well, in the in the, it's interesting because the the one of the things I, I love about this movie, it, we're talking about like our like one of we're talking about our favorite things or the mastery of tone it has in the sense that it shifts back and forth really effortlessly. And like I love that this movie opens up with the teenagers, the college kids, and and then from their perspective when they first run across Tucker and Dale, it's done from their perspective. Like even Tucker and Dale have the scary music behind them; they look right. kind of scary. <laughs> The first time you see Dale, it's got the ominous... Right. <laughs> it looks scary. If At this stage, it would... Pretty standard slasher movie. <laughs> right. I if you they, didn't know. They yeah. have to do the kids first. Because yes. Because they're setting up the tone of the movie. Yes. Right. You, you kind of... They're setting the stage for what you're getting into. Right. And in a normal movie, Tucker and Dale would be... The, the monsters. The villains <laughs> yes. of the piece. <laughs> right. This is a commentary on prejudice in our society. You know, it really is. Well, it's, it's all about preconceived notions. I mean... <laughs> It's also a little bit like how um, we tend to, I think, because Cabin in the Woods played with that too, about like that these stories are sort of archetypical. Like they change, but they, they shape how we view the world. Well, that's what this movie is about. Like these teenagers in particular, these college kids, think they're in a movie in a way. It's like they've been conditioned over their whole lives, like all of us, to kind of view these situations as scary and dangerous. And instead of just being like, well, there's a buffoonish hillbilly, instead it's like, da da da. Right, and they've got a point. Hillbillies are always the villain, right? In, in the whatever movies. movie, they're yes. In. <laughs> it's really rare to see a hillbilly show up in your. 
at all you kids doing? <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme in that movie where he was uh, a Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> you know about Hard Target? Was that the one? We I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, but good-looking hillbillies. Wow. Good-looking right. country guys. That's fair. <laughs> That's the difference. There's plenty of good-looking cowboys and, and uh, woodsmen. How many loggers? But as soon as they look like a normal person in any way, you, you're not the handsome lumberjack. Now you're the serial killer. There's two versions. It's kind of like the uh, the uh, Southern Sheriff. There's basically two versions of the Southern Sheriff in fiction. Oh, shucks. How's it going there? And the Griffith Southern Sheriff. Right. And then there's the guy who throws women into prison camps and forces them to have hard labor and sex. <laughs> Those are only two, only two Southern Sheriffs you get. So the only villains you get are the, the Mount Man... The rugged mountain man who's there to tame the wilderness and slasher billies. <laughs> slasher billies. <laughs> so uh, it's very dehumanizing, right? Yeah. I can see why people who live in that area of the uh, country don't like these movies. I can see that. <laughs> the same thing, like you'll see black people on movies are, are magicians or superhuman somehow. <laughs> <laughs> or dr- they're all drug dealers or whatever. You just pick right. something weird. It's like, you can't just be a guy? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's another section of people that are represented as an archetype. Right, <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's important because by subverting that expectation, you basically got two just guys. Tucker and Dale are just two guys. <laughs> they're not as exceptionally great and they're not bad. They're just two people. It's the perceptions around them that are kind of screwing with everything. Yeah, they're just living their life, mm-hmm. going on vacation. And there's some perceptions there that they're dealing with, too, with the college kids. Theirs just happens to be college kids are kind of uptight, not college kids are going <laughs> to kill us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which, in a way, is actually sort of, I mean, not to get too serious, but it's sort of the uh, the metaphor about a lot of times with these kind of stereotypes we're dealing with is everyone deals with them, but what type of stereotype you're dealing with is different. <laughs> oh, well, he's, he's, a, he's a murderer. And she's uptight. You know, those are different. Those are stereotypes. But the one is more like, well, she's going to be not very fun to talk to versus he might kill me. <laughs> you know what I mean, life is it's, it's interesting. We all deal with different stereotypes and there's all damaging, but some are clearly more difficult to deal with than others. Right. And it absolutely has to do with uh, economic class. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. The, the more negative stereotypes are always going to be the uh towards the, the lesser people right the now. lesser people air quotes lower class or the yeah. some part of society right whatever it and is. that shifts all the time but it, it's it's always going to be them you look at rubenesque paintings <laughs> and and it's because they're like well why why do they like to like you know chubby people so much it's like because it was hard to be chubby therefore it was like well look it's a sign of class yeah that was an accomplishment <laughs> right and now it's like it's hard to be thin so therefore <laughs> it's a mark of class <laughs> And I'm like, it's not the class, it's not the, it's the markers, it's what they stand for. And then you just make the markers the worthwhile. Yeah. We live in a society that will go out of its way to avoid talking about class. Yes. Which is um, why. So we'll dress it up with all kinds of other things. That's so. right. But not here on this podcast. Not with Tucker and Dale <laughs> versus Evil. I hope you're ready for an hour of heavy talk about <laughs> economic divide. <laughs> anyway. Did let's... you bring out your Marxist book? <laughs> My Marxist propaganda. <laughs> I left it my other pants. Oh damn! Let's let's leave this behind. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite part of the movie? <laughs> my favorite part of the movie was the the tonal control, uh, and I don't mean that. I mean that not just the fact that they they switch between viewpoints, but you know, as a as a writer myself, one of the hardest things to do, and a lot of writers struggle with, and, and everyone I think struggles with finding your voice and your tone. And this movie balances almost all perfectly, like humor or horror 
or humor and horror at the same time. And like when it, we talked about earlier, like that the beginning where it transitions between the scenes, how it seamlessly makes portrays this sort of perception from the college kids. And then when it goes to Tucker and Dale, it does it so naturally you don't even realize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tucker and Dale are just third skies. But it really right. is until that moment where we actually have them talking. And it goes back and forth all the time between that. Like it'll right. do a horrific scene that's funny and all that kind of stuff. They're so seamlessly moved between... Uh, portraying these guys as scary right <laughs> and then friendly and i think a lot of it has to do with um some of the directing the tone um, yeah because there's it's probably in some of the camera angles how they shot them the mu- the music stings they, they just subtly right definitely the music stings mm-hmm. and they just subtly change that stuff when they switch from one perspective and even the to actors the other. i think the actors like uh, especially uh tucker and dale uh uh tyler labine and uh alan, alan tudyk, tudyk. When they portray the scenes like from the perspective of the kids, so they're still playing it like they're not dangerous. You can see dangerous perceptions on the other end. They're really yeah. good at that. Yeah, so I think my, my favorite part here was probably somewhere. I really enjoyed hopping back and forth between the two perspectives. So that was pretty seamless. I also really like the wood chipper scene, <laughs> which again is one of the goriest parts of the movie. But that's that's It's kind really of the hard moment. to make it work, but it works. That's kind of the moment where... Um, Dale and Tucker finally realize yeah. that something's going wrong. <laughs> That's the moment where it's like, all right, now we've got stuff to deal with. Yeah. And it's really funny because for a, a big part of this movie, they're not aware of any. Right. Well, yeah, because it, they, they think at the worst that they're, again, it's the stereotype. They just think there's some upst- uptight college kids. They don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Tudyk's really great in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got this great shocked look on his face. <laughs> And then, uh, worst thing. What's your worst thing? Um, <laughs> you know, I really enjoy this movie. So my worst thing is the first song in the credits. <laughs> also, the font on the credits is great. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think the speed of the credits was good, at least. I'm going to give points okay, for that. Yeah, Those were I'll, some, I'll some give good you that. Speed. <laughs> it was readable. It was readable. Decent <laughs> scroll going on. Decent scroll. That's this is the kind of in-depth analysis you don't normally get in a lot of movies. My worst thing is um, there's a point near the end where the cabin explodes that the movie kind of just stretches out a little bit, and it's it's only like barely ninety minutes, so I understand why it has to do it, but uh, it kind of doesn't fit for me. It kind of goes off the rails a little bit for maybe about to, not terribly off the rails. I also am not a big big fan of the very 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 end. I don't particularly care for the uh, joke where the guy knocks out the girl and carries her away, and they don't seem to care. But it doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie because even though this movie is people dying in really <laughs> ludicrous ways, it's rarely portrayed as if people are indifferent to it. It's more like everyone's just so mixed up and stupid. Yeah, and so that seems a little out for me. I, I, it's a kind of a weak ending for me. I, I agree with all yeah. that. I think the ending fell a little flat. Yeah, and. Uh, Tucker has a long speech <laughs> yeah. at, at the partner they're in that yeah. feels like it could have been trimmed. Just trying to stretch it out like a few more minutes. I think that shows. Yeah. So. And there's some scenes with Tucker like running through the woods with his, or, or Dale running through the woods with his dog. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't mind that though. That's a little bit of padding, but I really like that dog for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, the dog's great. I love that dog. <laughs> dog's we, just an old, not, ugly dog. <laughs> not since the, the dog. <laughs> Pooh Bear. From Killer Clowns in Outer Space. Oh, We're going to start a sister podcast, Togs in Movies. <laughs> we start rating the dogs. <laughs> Finally, I, there might be already seven or eight of those. I mean, you know, there's a podcast for everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can find a podcast about movie dogs. And movie dogs. Well, we should look it up. Link Wait, it in the like, description. La- <laughs> like Lassie's Overrated, the podcast. <laughs>
Well, I could find a well. <laughs> I mean, I always felt like Lassie was like the Brad Pitt of uh, dog actors. Sure, pretty solid actor, but mostly gets by on looks. She doesn't deserve all that. No, praise. no, all the good boys, all the good boys. <laughs> Who's a good dog? Okay, so I guess that's it. Are we going to talk about the movie now? Spoiler alert! Get to the actual plot. I guess stop. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I'm gonna do it. All right, I'm gonna do it right now. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, no, whatever you say, just smile and laugh. Okay. Do it. All right. You guys, uh, going camping? <laughs> we start the movie here with a, a POV shot uh, of a reporter going into a, a wooden building of some sort. We're not really sure what's going on yet. Right. A uh, reporter gets wanged in the head. Yes. By a crazy looking guy. <laughs> right. Then the cameraman's killed. And that's the they're setting the stage for the slasher movie, which is actually kind of interesting because since it's done like that, you could actually interpret it as foreshadowing of what's going to happen, which it sort of is, except it's actually foreshadowing of the events that happen afterwards in a way because it's like this is after this is actually a flash forward. Well, it's, it's definitely foreshadowing, yeah. Because you also, see that kid in it, <laughs> yeah. But it's also like a flash forward, and you see him like with a hideous, hideous scar face, right? It's blurry but, enough that you're but not, you're not sure. really sure yet, and and I think that's sort of it's intentional, sort of. Playing with your expectation because you think it's going to, oh, we're setting up that you're going to be, there's going to be a serial killer in this movie, but there really isn't until the very, very end. <laughs> it's just, again, a really interesting choice, and I think it works. I think it works because it's messing with your perception. Yeah. It's also the uh, director, Eli, what's the name? Uh, Eli Craig. Eli Craig playing the cam- cameraman. Yeah, so that's his face on there. That's his face staring dead height in the camera. May have been all the acting he could muster. That, he did a good job. Sure. I, I believe he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to some teens driving down the road. The douchey teens. <laughs> the douchey teens. They're very douchey. In a lot of the horror movies, you see the douchey teens. And there are heroes, so you're kind of like, ah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. They're well-meaning kids. You're a little douchey, so what? <laughs> and that's one of the things also about this movie. It's like from a writer's perspective, there's this thing called uh, protagonist bias. Which is we tend to view stories from the protagonist's point of view. So, like, they can do things we wouldn't necessarily not like and we'll still tend to side with them. So this movie kind of plays with that because that's who they start with. Right. And they, they're talking about, they're, they're saying negative things about the locale, yeah. the populace. Uh, I think somebody says something like, we're going to get murdered in these Yeah, ways. yeah. And uh, this <laughs> Which, is sort of the... Know, foreshadowing. This is the foreshadowing, too, about Allison Alley, played by uh, Katrina Bowden. Bowden. She right. she's the only one who says, "Oh, but they're people. Just get over it." Right. Which is really what her character trait is. She's a not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is also you know a common character in these kind of like right. slasher films. There's they're the one nice the, girl. The goody-goody. Yeah, yeah. In this case, so, just being a nice human. <laughs> right. I say goody goody. I mean you know normal <laughs> person with empathy. <laughs> normal person with empathy. <laughs> They uh, have to swerve around an SUV on the road, which is, or a truck, I think, right. which has a uh, Tucker Dale on it. Right. But we don't see them at first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they're dri- they're complaining about that, driving down the road, um, and Tucker and Dale drive by, pass them. And again, they do that thing where it's like, was it they go like, oh my God, those guys are passing us now. You know, <laughs> yeah. from their perspective, it's like, oh my God. Right. How dare these guys drive on a road? And Dale's looking out the window. Yeah. <laughs> 
slack job look at us <laughs> and they cue some ominous dong and they've got this beat up truck with all these tools because they're doing you're gonna do yard work but it just looks like terrifying killbillies yeah, they're dragging a wood chipper <laughs> yeah they're dragging a wood chipper i mean it looks it looks scary um, so they wind up stopping at a gas station. Which, I mean, this is really, uh, we didn't look it up. We should look up, uh, when Cabin of the Woods was, came out. Because this is really interesting. It's very interesting parallel. Because remember in Cabin of the Woods, spoiler alert, but that part where they, they go to the harbinger as part of the ritual. And there's this, like, middle of the woods gas station with, like, just a yeah. creepy guy. <laughs> this one has that, except none of these guys are really creepy. They're just country folk. But they're all portrayed as creepy from the perspective of these college kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that shows up in a lot of movies. It does. It uh, does. But, yeah, I, I do also kind of wonder which one of these was first. Well, the thing <laughs> is, though, they're both playing on the same trope, so it, it doesn't really matter which one first because they really are. Even Cabin in the Woods, it's playing on that trope. Well, we, they, you have to go to the point where you're warned and you still ignore it. In this case, it's like you have to go to the place where people are just living and then you have to be a douche. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I don't necessarily mean that, you know, Tucker yeah. Dale stole anything. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I just kind of wonder if one was inspired by the other, or they just kind of happened at the same time. I think they both drew on just the same material. Because that happens a lot. I, You'll I, see two of the same thing come out. Yeah. It's just a weird coincidence. Well, and they're both playing on that big archetype. I mean, it's such, a, it's such an archetype. I mean, like, the when they approach yeah. the, uh, the this gas station, there's even, like, a kid pumping water. <laughs> and I'm like, shirtless kid in overalls pumping water. You're right. It's, and again, not to get too commentary on society, but it's, like, lower class people slash dangerous people. Right. Interesting. The conditions were ripe for a parody of uh, Hillbillies slasher movies. <laughs> Killbillies. Which, if there's not a movie named Killbillies, I would be amazed. <laughs> there must have been one on the Sci-Fi Channel. There must have point. been one. Killbillies versus Mecha Shark. <laughs> Killbillies uh, versus the Hill Vampires. <laughs> versus the Hill Vampires. Call it Sci-Fi. <laughs> And this is where it transitions because they go into the store, the college kids. Well, they've been, they've been more passed. set up here, right? Yeah. They go in the, the gas station. Right. And they pass. <laughs> the two guys at the counter look at him. With which includes uh, Tucker. Creepy hillbilly face. Right, right. <laughs> Allie gets the bug spray, picks it up, and then we see Dale just kind of like staring at her. <laughs> which is sort of, you know, makes you jump, which it should. <laughs> right. They make it, yeah. he picks up some. Jar of eggs. Oh, that's right. Well, this is the moment where it's the transition because he goes, the, the clerk goes, you guys need anything else? <laughs> and he's like, oh, six pounds of, of pickled eggs. <laughs> yeah. And then we're in their, we're in their point of view. Because it makes them suddenly not scary. Right. Because it's just guys who want six pounds of pickled eggs. <laughs> right. So we move into their perspective. Yeah. And they're just, you know, talking about how they're going to go fix up this cabin in the yeah. woods. <laughs> And Dale wants to go, um, he, he wants to go hit on the, hit college, on the college girls. girls. <laughs> so uh, uh, Tucker psychs him up. He walks over there with his, his uh, Reaper scythe. Right. And it's just because he, he should pick something up because he wants something to have hold in his hands. <laughs> yeah. And there's the very great advice about, like, just smile and laugh. <laughs> That'll make you seem confident. <laughs> but because he's so nervous, it comes across as this sort of psychotic <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the scythe. And they're kind of like, let's get out of here, man. They run out of there. <laughs> they may be overacting a little bit, but again, nobody's getting killed. So it's not really that big of a reaction. <laughs> it was really creepy also. <laughs> right. And yet it's really well done because it's, we know he's not intending to be creepy, but the scene manages to convey both the college kid's concern and also his awkwardness. And that's yes. really hard to manage, to manage con- conflicting uh, viewpoints like that. And it does a pretty solid job. Yeah. That's a very impressive uh, direction. Definitely. <laughs> 
Eli, uh, <laughs> according to our people, our, our phantom member of the podcast, there was a Kill Billy's movie. Slovenian? It's a Slovenian <laughs> movie in 2015. 2015? How did that happen? How did that not happen sooner? It was last year. <laughs> How could no one have figured out Kill Billy's? <laughs> the Kill Billy's. Oh, there's one from 2012, too. Maybe it's because by the time they made slasher movies, Kill Billy's kind of fell out of term. Yeah. Out of fashion. We might be coming back into <laughs> back into fashion. <laughs> anyway, anyway, they're they're driving back. Tucker and Dale are driving to the cabin, you know, and then and they're just talking about like you know they're gonna fix it up and all that. And they're, they're and and Tucker's talk trying to psych Dale up to make him not feel bad about himself. And it's like you just can't expect a girl like that to fall into your lap. Yeah, they have a is, very kind of like odd couple relationship right, going right. on. Right? Yeah, they have um, a... <clears throat> where uh, you know Dale's the the reserved. <laughs> Quiet guy, I guess. Wait, wait, you're saying Dale is the Felix of their relationship without the neatness. I don't know enough about the outcome. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's interesting, actually. You know, when you think about it, like, one of the things I like about this movie, too, a lot, is you get the sense that they really are friends, and it doesn't have to do it by having them refer to their friendship. It's like they have a camaraderie. It's like they talk to each other and know each other. It's like sometimes in, in, in weaker writing, it'll be like, you know how I know we're friends? We will refer to this thing that we did one time. <laughs> Remember that time I saved your life? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time we talked to Christina? Man, that was fun. And <laughs> in this case, it's like it's a very natural give and take. They're really yeah. good at playing off each other. They did it with, uh, I mean, they might actually be friends, but they did it with acting and directing. <laughs> which <With> is Acting. <laughs> acting. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> you look for in a good movie. Yes. <laughs> so, good job, uh, Eli. I keep wanting to call him Eli Manning. <laughs> Eli Manning. It's one of the few uh, sports names I know. Sports names you know. It's good an job. outdated one, too, by the way, I think. I don't think he's playing anymore. Is he Eli Manning playing? I don't think so. How about that Joe Theismann? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to contribute to this. Uh, Some of our listeners might like sports, you know. I know. I'm just saying that we're probably not the guys to be up. Sports are probably a big part of culture. I didn't. I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm pretty on board with that too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard people like them. <laughs> I only watch them if they're played by robots, and I'm not talking about like uh, those uh, battle bots. I mean, I want humanoid laser chainsaw robots. And then I'm in autonomous robots. Yes. Not not some guy with a remote. Control. That's not a robot. <laughs> That's a mech at best. Get on it, science. <laughs> Right, he's trying to psych uh, Dale up, and he says, "Like you're a good, you're a good-looking man, more or less." Yeah, more or less. <laughs> and they get to the cabin, and it's well. Then, really... don't forget they they also, and this is where a little bit foreshadowing too. They get pulled over by the sheriff, yeah, because they're just a sheriff. But also, the sheriff is kind of like foreshadowing them because he's just like, "There ain't nothing up there but misery and pain." <laughs> and like, thank you, officer. <laughs> and they look over, like, "Well, that was creepy." Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> so they get to the cabin; it's pretty run down. There's the line I like where they draw it up and, and, and Dale's like, uh, hey, look at that ruined truck. Is that ours? <laughs> like a rusted heap of a truck. And there's like another rusted heap of a truck. There's like two. And he's like, oh, look, there's another one. He's excited. He gets some, some chassis of cars. I don't know. So they get into this place and there's like human bones. <laughs> remember like the, like there's that moment where it's like. Clippings of people being killed. Yeah, that moment where they see it and they're just like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because they're simple guys. Who, like, this is more than they thought they would have. And is it just a little dust, even though there's bones? <laughs> there's newspaper clippings yeah, of serious some kind of animal collection. That's right. <laughs> there's clippings of murders. Basically, again, it never comes out and says it, but this is basically the serial killer cabin after the serial killers left. Right. Moved on to greener pastures. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, so I mean, they'll set it up a little later, but 20 years ago, there yes. was a, a serial killing in the woods. Yes. The same woods. <laughs> <laughs> the Memorial Day slaughter. Um, but they're pretty happy with the cabin. It's a, it's a cute scene. And they get a sense of their sort of enthusiasm. They're, they're nice guys. They're, they're excited. Yeah. They're actually pretty good. Then we have the cut to the douchey teens again. <laughs> the douchey college kids. And they're sitting around a campfire telling stories. Right, and this is where we find out about the the uh, Memorial Day killings <laughs> yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah, and they actually flash back to oh, like an eighties scene. I hate, I, you know, you feel old playing. when you're when you're watching these movies now, and it's just like pump up the jam. I'm like, that's not a flashback song, and I'm just like, oh gosh. <laughs> Alex had a moment. I had a moment. I still every time I see a movie and it says the year two thousand, I'm always like, the future. <laughs> I don't remember what they were playing. Oh, pump up the jam. Pump up the jam. Yeah, pump up the jam. That's and then they all and the hillbilly comes and like the hillbilly family kills them in the flashback. Again, at this stage, it's sort of like just a scary story. You don't actually know it's based on real events in in the history of this movie. Well, Chad, the the head douchebag, is telling the story. The chief douchebag, really, because I think the rest of the guys, the rest of the people in this movie, are just sort of douchebags. I think they would not be douchebags without Chad's example. It's the alpha douchebag. The alpha douchebag. We find out later he's got some personal uh, yes. experience with yes. that, that particular story. Tucker and Dale are in the boat. Remember, the, yeah. they cut to them night fishing. <laughs> night Which, fishing. I gotta admit, that's even... If I saw somebody night fishing, I'd be a little scared, too. I'm gonna, <laughs> like, I love this exchange, because, again, it's their friendship idea, where it's, and it also kind of establishes their characterizations and their motivations, where it's like, oh, there's one more beer left. Oh, that's yours. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what I say. You don't got any confidence. You know, you got to take it if you don't want it. And he's like, reaches for it. He's like, he slaps his hand. Like, Not that one. That's mine. <laughs> I told you that's my beer. Uh, so they call the kids that grow on skinny dipping. Right. Of course they are. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Allie, because Chad hit on her in a really creepy way, she's separated. Her, but she, yeah. It's she's coming to join the fun. Right. So they're <laughs> getting closer to watch the, the college kids strip, <laughs> which, all right. <laughs> well, but to be fair, uh, Dale doesn't want to do it. Tucker <laughs> wants to do it. Dale's trying to right. stop it. And then uh, she falls. They startle her. She falls. Hits her head on a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so they go over and pull her out and wave at her friends. <laughs> we got your friend. <laughs> and they immediately, her friends immediately run away without any kind of... <laughs> Effort to understand or sue. There's, well, clearly, they're serial killers. Right. <laughs> there's a point in the movie there's no return. It's really hard to get to the <laughs> to back to normal. This was still the stage where all you got to do is talk to them for five seconds and everything's normal. Right. <laughs> I think it fits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good, yeah. funny yeah. scene. Her friends run off. <laughs> right. So they take her back to the, the cabin. I think we missed a part here where there's a, a beam. That they push over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like They're this, foreshadowing. This thing this, with this, nails falls out. Right. This booby trap they've accidentally got in their cabin. <laughs> yeah. Foreshadowing. And you know somebody's going to die. Probably. Yes. Probably. <laughs> anyway, they take her back to the cabin. And then... Well, and they, they, the, the other te- the college kids go talk to the Chad and they're like, if Chad was a good leader, he'd just like, guys, calm down. Let's deal with this. Let's talk to this. Instead, Chad's like, those crazy killbillies. <laughs> <laughs> He's just making things worse. There are a lot of misunderstanding in this movie, but he's definitely like the one who's ready to assume the worst and encourage the worst. Well, I think they get across pretty well that this kid's kind of a sociopath. Yes, he's got issues. 
Uh, just the way he's talked to everybody in the yes, group. Yes, yes. So they go back to the cabin, uh, and Allison wakes up. She's <laughs> looking around at this old creepy cabin. Yeah. There's a dog with it, a, a yeah. blind eye. A one-eyed dog. <laughs> Dale comes in. <laughs> like scary music. <laughs> he's in shadows. And she's like, oh my god, don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh my god, you don't like pancakes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's bringing her pancakes. <laughs> I'll make something else. <laughs> and then you have all the, the, the teens. At this stage, they're still at that stage where they could defuse this if they just take a second. Because like like several were even suggesting good things. Well, maybe they took her to the hospital. And there's that line about, like, well, what does it look like they were doing? Well, it was really dark, but it looks like they were eating her face. <laughs> Really, guys, you've gone from killer hillbillies to cannibal hillbillies. Allie meets Dale yes. and kind of realizes that they're not right. trying to kill anybody. Yeah, yeah. So the, the uh, other college kids come up to the house. Tucker's in the back, cutting through a log. Oh, before I want to say that, though, this is this is at the, the, the meet cute scene is where the Tucker and, I mean, Dale and Allie meet cute. Like... Because there's that scene where it's just like they kind of start relate, relating to each other, and then you know uh-huh. she's like, "Was it like was there anything to do here, Dale?" And he's like, "Board games," <laughs> and he immediately runs over with a trivia game for her. Yeah. So that's a bit cute, <laughs> adorable. <laughs> it's a silly word for a professional. <laughs> you know, I'll use whatever Story words jokes. I want. <laughs> Yeah, but people use that term, right? More and more. It shows up more. It used to, it's a new one. I know you're used to like your old tropes like Eli Manning and <laughs> Cindy Crawford. Those are just people. It's not a trope. <laughs> well, the references. They're archetypes. I guess so. You know, it's like you, sir, have the boorish manner of a Prussian aristocrat. <laughs> we get it. Sometimes you're out of touch. <laughs> I apologize Fine. to any Prussians who may be listening. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and um, Tony Romo. <laughs> I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. I, you can you can give me a fake name. It probably wouldn't confuse me. He's a quarterback, but I don't know if he's Johnny Quarterback. <laughs> Cindy Model and Johnny Quarterback. Yeah, that's eggweight archetype. So, uh, Tucker's cutting through the, a log in the backyard, um, and he cuts into a beehive. <laughs> yes, as the kids are walking up, he's got like a running chainsaw and a swarm of bees. <laughs> so he, he runs out with the chainsaw like a crazy person, right? <laughs> and the teens. Run off like they would. <laughs> and he's kind of, sort of chasing this one kid. It looks like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and I think this is really interesting because this is that moment where, again, this is where it's just that degree of like the difference because he's running with the college kid. Then he runs past the college kid. <laughs> and the college kid is kind of like, wait a minute, he's not chasing me. <laughs> and then just as he realizes it, he impales himself on a tree. <laughs> limb and even then it's sort of like this really interesting moment to me where like he sees like the bee land on his nose and he gets that look on his face now he doesn't say it but in my mind he's like oh he's running from bees and then he dies <laughs> oh that sucks <laughs> and this is where it's, it's really hard to come back from <laughs> it's really hard to justify because it's such an unusual circumstance <laughs> At that moment, it takes a lot more understanding for the rest of the movie. Because before this, nobody's died. But now, at this stage, it's really hard to say, like, right. well, Things are a really stupid a accident happened. <laughs> Things are starting to spiral out of control. That's right. <laughs> and then there's that even that line um, they're talking about where uh, Allie and, and Dale are talking. And Allie's like, well, I want to be a psychiatrist because I think lack of communication causes so many problems in this world. Which is pretty much this whole movie done. <laughs> right. right. I could follow that. Probably missed that. You probably missed that. You're not a professional writer like me, so you probably missed that uh-huh. subtle theme of the movie. Went right over my head. 
You turned to me and was like, "Thank goodness we're communicating about that's it." That's right. You turned to me and was like, "That has nothing to do with anything." <laughs> well, that's stupid. <laughs> so I think we cut back to uh, Ellie and Dale, and they're playing the game. Yeah, and uh, Dale is coming up with some surprising facts. Right. She's like, "Oh, I'm, you know I'm everything." Dumb as a stump. Right, but he's. <laughs> but I remember everything I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm dumb as a stump. So when they go back because they're looking for the college kids, Tucker and Dale, Allie stays back. Yeah, they, they tell go. her to rest. And again, wound. this is this <laughs> Which, is where a mistake happens because really he just wants to spend more time with if her. If Allie had gone with them, it would have been fine. Yes, but sure. But this is where they want her. This is where because they want to spend time. He wants to spend time with her, so he's right. kind of Tucker's like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you do it. <laughs> so they go looking for the college kids, yeah. and they're they're tracking them through the woods. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> so basically they they kind of find where they're at. Right, the kids all hide because right. they're still. Well, because there's a dead. They saw their right. dead friend. Their, their friend's dead. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tucker and Dale walk by, but don't see the dead friend. So, it, but to the college kids, they just think they they don't care. Right. It's very freaks company. Right. Misunderstanding. And they're talking, and then they're like, uh, "Well, well, well, maybe we just leave a note." <laughs> With what? <laughs> There's an axe in a tree. And they, they grab it. <laughs> carve. <laughs> We've got your friend. We've got your friend in, in a tree log. Right. <laughs> From both perspectives, you, you get the sense of the scene, and you're like, yeah, I can kind of see why. The, the college kids are kind of nervous. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they go back. Uh, Tucker and Dale go back to do their thing. They're working on the cabin. Right. Uh, Dale's Dale's digging the shitter. The crapper. The crapper. The crap shitter. The outhouse. <laughs> but he doesn't know how to say that to, to Allie. She comes out. and I, This is another part where the movie gets a little... I have to look... She's made her outfit sexier. <laughs> I'm like, really? Really? Movie? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I guess I'll suspend my disbelief. I'll suspend it, sure. <laughs> you know, you can wear regular clothes in the woods, right? You don't have sure. to. You don't need a belly shirt. You don't need a belly shirt to uh, do chores. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Tucker's throwing stuff in the wood chipper. Yeah. Which is the coming up scene. You're, if you have any foreshadowing sense at all, you're like, this is not going to go well. So she gets down and starts helping him dig uh, the shithole. <laughs> You know, talks about growing up on the farm because why not? Why not? <laughs> She's digging, and uh, I think Dale takes a break. <laughs> well, you know, okay. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, if you're going to read something into that, you know, it's not always intentional, like we talked about, but you could argue that, like, the college kids are all kind of uptight college kids. She grew up in more of a rural setting, therefore, she has more diverse exposure to these people, and that's why she's not assuming they're killer hillbillies immediately. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. That, and she has some sense. <laughs> It's a normal human empathy. Empathy. And it's like, yeah, they see her digging. The college kids are like, oh my God, they're making her dig her own grave. It's like, they're just making so many assumptions. First of all, that's a way big grave. I don't know. They really think that the, they really think these hillbillies are really thorough about their grave digging. There's a great bit earlier when they were looking for the teens where um, Tucker and Dale are talking. <laughs> and he's, he's talking about the board game they're playing. He's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I beat the crap out of her. I think we can go back and finish her off when we get back to work. That's right. And then and Tucker's like, well, you beat the crap out of everyone because of that weird brain of yours. <laughs> oh, okay. That's pretty hard to justify, knowing the situation. <laughs> the kids come up and form a kind of a battle plan, I guess. <laughs> yes. You got like a sharpened stick and a, Can, some, a some kid's got a, a corkscrew. Some kind of shank. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, they charge at Dale and Allie digging the hole. Right. And Allie sees him coming, and uh, Dale kind of swings the shovel around. Yeah, he swings. Immediately knocks her out again. Yeah, knocks her out again. <laughs> and the kid trips or something. Right. They fall. And they fall back into the hole, and the kid trips, and the spear flies forward, 
and then he falls on the spear. <laughs> He's bleeding to death. In this, he sails under him in screaming. this both horrific and funny scene. It's very, it's very, very tricky, but it works. <laughs> and it's one of the better scenes, but it's also followed by the crowning achievement of this movie. The wood chipper scene. The wood chipper. So the other kid comes up with his corkscrew or whatever. <laughs> And I don't know what, just trips over. He's trying to tackle, he's trying to tackle uh, Tucker, but Tucker reaches over for a log and right. then flies over him. <laughs> Head first into the wood chipper. Head first into the wood chipper. <laughs> Tucker's like grabbing him by the legs and trying, he's like, what the hell, I'm trying to pull him out. <laughs> and he's getting splattered with blood and then the blood's coming out the other end and hitting the one, the one other college girl. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, it finally shuts down. And what's the, what's the lady says? It's like. You okay? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which Alan Tudyk's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's he's really good. He's really. I mean, I I got. I think almost everybody in this movie, I got to give him credit. Like even the college act, uh, they like their roles are not necessarily especially demanding for most of them. They all do a really good job. Yeah. But you still get a sense of their personalities. Like there's the one guy who's almost more sensible, but not quite. He keeps getting led along. Yeah, but, you know, he's still kind of a selfish coward, <laughs> right? Well, and he's, still, he's just after, and at this stage, it's really hard to say <laughs> there's been a series of misunderstandings because it's really hard to. These are really hard to, to describe, are dead. right? And they're not like dead in like normal ways. <laughs> like he tripped on my stairs and hit his head. <laughs> he jumped into a wood chipper. That's not something that happens a lot. The kids run off to uh, regroup, I guess. And that's when we... And so do Tucker and Dale. Right. Now <laughs> they take Ellie back right. in because she's knocked out. She's out. Got... This is, again, a little contrived. I'm like, this is serious head trauma if she's out that right. long. Right, right, But that's all right. It's not as nothing like the nail gun scene coming up. Ooh, <laughs> that's a black eye on this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. We're all going to get an earful. I'm just saying the nail gun industry works really hard to make sure their product is safe. <laughs> You're... You're concerned about the good name of nail I'm guns. telling nail gun. I just want it on the record that nail gun industry knows not to make nail guns this powerful. <laughs> they are not sitting there. There's not some evil genius at a nail gun factory going like, more, more power, more. Do we really need to be that powerful? I wanted to shoot nails across the room. What good is that? <laughs> I will speak up for your name and your good name, nail gun people. You hear that? If, if you'd like to advertise, we'll save the movies. <laughs> Every time there's a movie with a nail gun used improperly, we, large, we will have a, a guest. <laughs> large nail gun using audience. <laughs> Save the movies. Brought by Worthington Nail Guns. We guarantee they won't shoot across the room. <laughs> if there was a nail gun that would make a hole in a concrete wall, I might buy it. <laughs> there's so many. It, it's a dilemma, right? It's like nuclear weapons. They have their uses. We have to limit them. I think we have to watch our nail gun technology. One day we'll make a board so big with a nail so big it will destroy the world. <laughs> so then Tucker comes in covered in blood. Yeah. And he's like, what happened? They both start talking about their shared experience. It's like, you got blood and you got blood. It's not our blood. They decide the teams afford. Teens have formed a suicide cult. <laughs> Which is the only logical thing they could possibly think. Because it's like, Tuck, uh, Dale's like, well, we got to go get the police. And Tucker's like, what are we going to tell them? We're just minding our business, doing our chores. <laughs> when these teens just start killing themselves on the property. This kid dived into our wood chipper. <laughs> 
It's a hard story. It's a hard story. So, so again, in this case, they decide to cover it up. They're going to like try to figure out a way to clean this mess up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so the guy who left, he'd left previously with the truck. <laughs> right. So the kids are like, what the hell are we going to do? We yeah. don't have a truck anymore. Right. Um, but he comes back with the cops. <laughs> right. Or a cop. The <laughs> sheriff. The sheriff that pulled the Dale Tucker over. Played by uh, Philip Granger. Which is a good job. I like him. He's ominous when he's supposed to be ominous. He's yeah. he's not when he is. Like he's at first kind of like, oh, I'm sure it's just a big misunderstanding. And then the, the one. The, the he one, drives up and sees him like pulling the, the half a body. Well, but also remember that even before that, the college girl runs up and she's covered in blood. <laughs> she's like, oh my God. He's kind of freaks out quietly, but he's still the authority figure. He's still good at it. He's going to, okay, everyone need to calm down. Get in the back. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> of course, then he pulls up. And it's really hard to explain. Dragging half a body. And so, uh, But they try. And this is the yeah. part where I like the movie. Because they don't try to come up with a complicated... They're just like, well, here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff is skeptical. <laughs> Justifiably <laughs> so. And, and Dale says something about Allie being knocked out in the cabin. Right. So they all go in to check it out. And the kids in the car are like, well, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> Arrest these guys. So they're trying to explain to the sheriff. At some point, he leans on the, the well, support. He, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of believes the story. It was interesting to see he doesn't complete not believe him because he does say you're looking at counts of manslaughter. Yeah. So he kind of believes, yeah, that something might have bad. Because they're not portraying, because he can sense they're not really dangerous. They're, they're not threatening there. Right. And, and then, yeah, the pillar of death hits him in the face. <laughs> and this is great, because he, oh. he walks out of the cabin. Oh, it looks so painful. This thing in his face. <laughs> and it's so painful and uh, and funny and horrific at the same time. <laughs> it's really hard to balance, but it does it. Because, yeah. like, Tucker and Dell are like, oh, what was that line where he gets up? He'll just walk it off. He's <laughs> Of nails sticking all the way through. Not just a little bit. Like, they're sticking all the way through his skull. <laughs> like, two inch nails in his head. <laughs> and he wanders over, and the kids are like, <laughs> And he wanders over and picks up. He's still kind of functioning instinctively. And he picks up the radio, and then he falls over dead. <laughs> yeah. I think he mumbles something in there. Yeah, it's like, Sure, it fits, right? He's kind of in shock. What are you going to do, right? And the kids in the back are stuck in the back because it's a police cruiser, so a car, a car so they can't get out. And then the one kid, dumb, stupidly, again, stupidly but justifiably, grabs the gun. He's pointing at uh, Tucker and Dale, yeah. and they're <laughs> he's like shaking a little bit. Yeah, and they also <laughs> you got you got to turn the safety, safety off. <laughs> So he starts turning the gun around. Good for the sake. He does a Luke Skywalker, which it, is like Luke Skywalker gets a lightsaber and immediately looks at it trying to... <laughs> <laughs> they could have been a very short movie. Star Wars. <laughs> Don't push that button. Oh! Oh, well, that solves that problem. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be another chosen one. In probably, years, right? So. Yeah. So yeah, he shoots himself by... Shoots himself in the face. <laughs> which, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a ridiculous scene, but I also am like, well, one, if you don't have gun safety and you don't know how to handle a gun, it's completely believable to me that something like stupid like that can happen because it's... Sure, it's plausible. I mean, guns are really good at killing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go back to like caveman times and brought a gun, they'd be like, are you some kind of wizard? No, it's just it's just science. I just point at something and it dies. <laughs> the moral of this movie really is gun safety. <laughs> Gun safety in general, <laughs> yes. The moral of this movie is tap for a second to talk to your people. <laughs> and communication, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the next time I see a guy surrounded by dead bodies, I'm going to like, oh, well, this is clearly a misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay, sir? Are you okay, sir? <laughs> I can't hear you through that pig mask. <laughs> 
No, I, you, would, I would not like to play a game. Thanks for asking. <laughs> if you turn down your weed whacker, we could talk. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this, these killings are all kind of slapstick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the same time. Yeah. It's um, like the Three Stooges. <laughs> the Three Stooges were realistic consequences. <laughs> if uh, Curly got hit on the head with a hammer and had a concussion. Bleeding out of the back. There's that line we skipped, but there's that line where Chad is like, a few tiny little murders and you guys lose your... <laughs> this is your sign that Chad's not balanced. Right. Chad's got issues. Chad's got a thirst for blood at this point. Yes. So doesn't Chad get the gun, right? And he starts shooting into the cabin. And they, they crawl in and hide in the cabin and they're just right. trying to avoid getting getting killed. And this is the part where um, they're having a heart-to-heart. Heart-to-heart. And Dale says that he doesn't like fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like fishing at wood. Is it that hurt your feelings? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kids get a hold of Dale's the dog. dog. <laughs> which is, I never could get the name of the dog. Was the name like Danger? Or, oh, oh, I'm not sure. I, I couldn't even remember when he said it. And they're going to shoot the dog. It's right there. That's how you know you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. You're immediately the bad guy. You're going to shoot the dog. Yeah, now you're being the dick. <laughs> yeah, you're being the dick. <laughs> they find a nail gun. And uh, Tucker comes up with a plan. <laughs> right. That involves some kind of non-regulation <laughs> nail gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty powerful nail gun. It's pretty powerful. I'm going to pretend for a backstory that they made a nail gun that was too powerful or that they're operating it at exceeded potential. Maybe they've, uh, Tucker and Dale made some illegal modifications. I guess, why not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex really has a problem with this nail gun being, being so dangerous. <laughs> takes me right out of this movie. Did you ever see Lethal Weapon? <laughs> oh, yes, I, I did. But here's the thing. In Lethal dangerous. Weapon... He pushes it against somebody's skin. That's the difference. <laughs> if we're really going to talk about nail no, guns. he shoots some guy through like a sheet of plastic. Well, doesn't he push it up to him? No. Oh, well, that doesn't work. Because that's the main <laughs> thing. There's a safety precaution that has to be pushed up against something. Well, I know how a nail gun works. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Lethal Weapon. By the way, in Lethal Weapon, it didn't shoot across the room. This is the beginning. Lethal Weapon started the, and then every movie just exaggerated it. Thanks a lot, Lethal Weapon. There's going to be uh, a future... In five years, there's going to be a movie about sadistic nail guns trying to destroy mankind. <laughs> and it's all because of this. If you do kill somebody with a nail gun, be sure to have uh, a sly line prepared. <laughs> nail them. <laughs> you know, it's so obvious. I think there's got to be another one. But there's not really. You're kind of stuck with that one. Yeah. Now, now we're going to have to Whenever he kills a nail gun. <laughs> I don't know. Time to get your nails done. I don't know why Schwarzenegger all of a sudden. Because that's who would be saying Because that's who I thought he'd like to say. Everything's better when Schwarzenegger says it. He's the deliverer. That's right. <laughs> Dry, cool lines. Friends, Romans, countrymen. Dry, cool murder catchphrases. <laughs> so, Dale's going nuts with the nail gun. Right, and I love this line, again, where it's like, don't you hurt my dog or I'll, or I'll be really mad. <laughs> yeah. I like that line because it's like, yeah, he's, he's not, they don't really want... People and Tucker sneaks out. Yep, to free the dog. Freeze the dog. Well, well, Dale is just shooting like crazy with the nail gun. There's even that point where was it? Tucker says something like, "Damn, easy up, yeah." But they catch Tucker freeing the dog. Right, chase him through the woods. Chase the woods, uh, and they catch him. Yes, tie him up. Yes, <laughs> they uh, tie up Tucker upside down, and yes. uh, Chad, the alpha douchebag. <laughs> yes, cuts his fingers. Off. Right, and he still. It's really fascinating to me because it's like he's also always the whole time. It's like. Never been this close to pure evil. <laughs> I get you, but he's like he's he's still dehumanizing him in a weird way. It's yeah. that he keeps doing that over and over again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 
Because he wants the, he's looking for the thrill. Well, he's also got a little bit of that weird prejudice because of his backstory, which, you know, would they bring it up finally about like, because they even bring yeah, up him going to so. this woods and it's almost like he came looking for trouble. You could almost argue a yeah, little bit. Because it's like, whose idea was it to come on this trip anyway? And it's his, which is like, you think about it, you go to the place your family was massacred <laughs> for vacation, probably got issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. I really thought about that. Right. Probably working through some stuff. I think at this point we realize Chad's not all there. No, no. You realize that he was not all there before it started, which is, I think, a little bit with that scene with him and Allison. Oh, yeah. Before, because it's kind of, it's hinting at, but then you realize it's like, or first like, oh, he's just freaking out. Well, no, they're freaking out. He's kind of already there. Right. <laughs> he's he's going finally. Yeah. Finally, he's, it's he, happening. He was waiting for this. So then finally Allison wakes up. Mm-hmm. After severe head trauma number two. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're trying to explain the situation to right. her. Right. Um, which she probably doesn't quite believe, but she goes she, out. Yeah, and she does say this is just a misunderstanding. And she's right. It's just not the level of misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> and she has a great line there. Uh, how, how long was I out? <laughs> and uh, Dale says about three hours. Right, yeah. Got a, couple, uh, a few hours because like, she's like, how did it get this bad this quickly? <laughs> She goes, they knock on the, the college kids knock on the door and leave uh, Tucker's fingers. With a note. Right, with a note. Now we got your friend. <laughs> They've become, ironically, the thing they feared. Dun, dun, dun. Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> dune. I know, you know it's no dune. dune. Yeah, okay. We'll wear those dune. All right. Just don't know why you're bringing it up. <laughs> I, I just felt it was appropriate. Or as Yoda likes to say, fear leads to suffering, something, something stupid, something <laughs> stupid, something <laughs> stupid. Yoda likes to say is fear leads to synonyms of other things. <laughs> That's uh, no. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. All right, I guess. You can just do it any way you want. That's just word salad. Fear <laughs> like leads the... to hiding in your closet. Hiding in your closet. Shut up, Yoda. <laughs> I feel like that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I have two things. I, I feel like I have to defend the nail gun industry. And I feel like Jedis are full of crap. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry I took that controversial stand. I hope that doesn't bother too many people. I feel like you'd have better luck dumping on sports. <laughs> That's true. Probably, probably. With our audience. <laughs> than uh, dumping on Jedis. <laughs> Guys, I don't have a problem with Jedis. <laughs> Oh, I have so many problems with Jedi's, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> They're just space wizards. They're space wizards with a lot of hassles. <laughs> oh. It's Harry Potter in space. <laughs> I have a problem with Harry Potter wizards, too, so uh, that's true. I understand. Maybe I just have a problem with, like, magical societies. Maybe they're just dumb. <laughs> I think you do. You've made a couple. <laughs> I know, but you usually I don't have... Try to make them make more sense. Like like Harry Potter, where it's like, oh, you got to be in the uh, the death tournament, Harry. Well, I didn't put my name in the hat. Too bad we drew it. <laughs> I like to imagine an alternate universe where you like you have to fight tigers occasionally as a child, and then someone's like, well, I didn't put my name in to fight the tigers. Well, we drew it. Tough luck. <laughs> yeah. Go fight that tiger. It's fate. <laughs> it's fate. Apparently, it's wizard I'm fate. Like, wizard. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, Hogwarts has very low safety standards. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> put a fence around that dark woods. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Maybe keep the poisons in the locked cabinet. Yes. Don't let the characters, the kids play death sports <laughs> on, on rocket brooms. Put a net up at least? How hard is that? The wizards. Put a net up. Where's the thrill? Right, yes. In that first first movie and book, I actually read the first book, which I don't read a lot of books and readings for nerds, but 
<laughs> and there's the part where like Harry's like on the broom and the bad guy's making the broom like shake like he's gonna die. And all the teachers in the stands, all who have incredible magical powers, as established, <gasps> like <laughs> gasping. How hard is it for you to save this kid? You've literally got hundreds of wizards watching. What are you gonna do? <laughs> They don't want to get disqualified. I don't. You know, you're going to lose a couple. I'm just saying that maybe Voldemort isn't the only evil wizard in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> maybe they're all evil. They just want to make uh, Hogwarts great again. <laughs> I'm just saying. In the future, when we have jetpacks, I am not putting my child on the jetpack sports. I've drawn a line in the sand. I don't care how many people are playing it. Well, if you're going to coddle them, uh, <laughs> I guess. Now, son, you may not be able to see the ground except for very far away. <laughs> Do not fall out of your jetpack. <laughs> Can I get safety straps on my jetpack? No, not even that. <laughs> if you don't play jetpack razor ball, <laughs> daddy won't love you. <laughs> Where are we back to? I've lost it. I have oh, no back idea. to. We got. <laughs> about uh oh so they string up there's that line where he's talking to where he finds uh dale goes to find tucker who's been right. strung up and this is a this is the part again this is a little strike to the movie get very small strike they set up a booby trap but there's no real hint of how this movie me- mechanism works on this booby trap <laughs> this spring-loaded javelin <laughs> it's a very impressive booby trap right and, and you don't even see it it's only the give was even this little it's just somehow they made it where if you, if you knew exactly where he was gonna walk and he's pushed this Hit this tripwire. Where'd they get tripwire? I mean, and a spear shoots out of nowhere. This is some really advanced trap making for kids, for college kids. Minor? Do they have a minor in booby trap making? I don't know. It almost, it almost hits him in the junk. Which again, highlights like, there's a lot better traps I can think of. If they just hung around, I guess. Right, they could have just jumped him. That's true too. It's a very weird choice. Anyway, the, the booby trap fails. <laughs> Hilariously. Hilarious. And he says that, like, a guy like me talking to a girl like that, somebody's going to end up dead or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So they go back to the the cabin. Well, and uh, Chad and um, one of the girls uh, show up. Yeah, they've split up at this point. Right, which is always a good plan. (laughs) Scooby-Doo this. Why not? Scooby-Doo this. And, go wrong. and they show up at the cabin, and she's like, guys, it's just a misunderstanding. <laughs> and then Tucker and Dale show up, and it's like a standoff, like the axe, the axe and the machete, and they're all, everyone's kind of like, nobody wants to hurt anybody, is what she's saying. Like, nobody wants to hurt anybody, and, and Dale, I mean, Tucker with his two missing fingers, he's like, I don't know if I can really quite believe that. <laughs> and he does Tucker's standard first aid operation move, which is pour beer on it. Because <laughs> yes. when he got stung in the face with the bees... <laughs> He just poured beer on it, and he poured beer over his hand. It's good for, for what ails you. It's good for what ails you. Uh, Allie convinces them to sit down and have right. tea. <laughs> this is, again, a chance for things to de-escalate. And this is where Chad's backstory comes out. Where uh, he says, I, I love the line because he's like, okay, now we're going to share our stories, and we're not going to judge. And Chad's like, long before I was born. <laughs> uh, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because Chad tells his story, which yeah. is how his parents were killed. Yes. <laughs> and then Dale says something. Well, wasn't like there's that? Oh, there's also that thing about chamomile tea. Yeah, which I love. It's like, like it's that. It's sort of foreshadowing. It's I like good, clever foreshadowing when you don't notice it because you think it's serving another purpose. So this one's kind of just playing on the joke that he's got asthma and it's sort of like he's like he's this sort of dangerous teen, but he's also sort of this asthmatic. Well, I can't have that chamomile bit of infrasil my asthma. <laughs> 
and it's it's cute because it's just meant to be a joke of sort of a diffusing situation, but also it comes in later. Yeah. So yeah, he talks it's, about his family. It's funny that Chet has asthma. <laughs> it's funny because the whole movie is just saying just psychopathic shit, right? Like, taking a, a get on his inhaler, which is good. I like that about this movie that you know asthmatics can be killers too. They can yeah. do anything they want. It's a very equal opportunity. It's equal but... opportunity, and as Save the Movies is always pro equal opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> It's hands across America. That's right. So, and there's that line where, it's, well, I'm really sorry, your family got massacred. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's sincere. I mean, yeah, he's like, oh, that kind of sucks. Everybody's kind of taken aback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what uh, Dale says, but they're not really talking directly about how everybody died. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> And then, and then, like when they the other two show up because they were backup. They're supposed to be backup. The other yeah. two college kids. And uh, he looks in the window. And I love that line where it's like, "It looks like you're drinking tea." <laughs> and the one girl again, she's this close to kind of diffusing it. She's like, "I'd love a cup of tea." <laughs> oh, there's so many times in this movie. That's all on purpose. I mean, that's right, right. Well, it's, it's they're, like they're um, walking that line very well. Uh, I think it's Night of the Living Dead. It might be the first one or the remake, which was actually pretty solid. That the screenwriter said that he goes every problem in this movie could be solved if the people were communicating properly. Now in that case, it's not because they're, they're sometimes they're hiding information, but sometimes it's just they're too they're not paying attention to each other. Right. And 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 I think that's what you come down to is I, that's an interesting. Uh, we we're talking to the uh, uh, I was we were watching this with the phantom member of the podcast and and she was one of the there's so many <laughs> and she was talking about how like movies like this stories like this can be a little frustrating for her because misunderstandings can be cheap and contrived now they're contrived in this of course because you have to be contrived at this level <laughs> sure <laughs> but because to me this movie gets away with it because it's the heart of this movie it's not to have a plot and then just not have it solved because people won't talk this this is the plot of the movie right people need to talk <laughs> whereas in some other movie this might be a crutch right that they're using to, to move the movie along without having to write a a story that makes sense. Yeah, or have like a character be like, like the character goes off to fight the monster and gets killed, and then somebody's <laughs> like, oh, the only way to kill the monster is with this. Why did you give it to him earlier? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the Wolverine prequel or whatever that they did, that one. There's one, they have those adamantium bullets so they can shoot Wolverine in the head and take away his memory and make him placid again. And then before they give those to, they have a guy whose superpower is he's really good shot. And they don't give it to that guy. <laughs> they don't even introduce the bullets until afterwards. It's like, like you're a terrible manager here. <laughs> Give the super bullets to the super shooter. What were you not paying attention? <laughs> if only there was a guy with a really good shot who could use these weapons against Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> this bullet has to hit a pin- pinpoint location. I'm sure I got it. I'm sure I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to our generic CIA guy. <laughs> it's like I've got this arrow that will kill all the evil monsters in the world. I'll Give it to Superman. What about? <laughs> We got like a green arrow. Ah, he's not really an arrow guy, is he? Though <laughs> Superman's got the endorsement deal. <laughs> but that's like in a, they're talking about like in a Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Terrible title. At the end, he's got the kryptonite sphere to use against Doomsday. Why didn't he give it to Wonder Woman? She can use it. She's just as strong as he is, and she's not made weaker because she's next to it. But it's like, well, how else am I going to get my ass kicked? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Superman's a little different. They're always looking for reasons for him to get his ass kicked. 
I guess, but it just seems like sometimes it's kind of like, well, you don't have a choice. You have one woman doing something, she's busy. She's on the ground. She's, she's just, hurt. But she's just like sitting there. She's just like, well, no, I'll just sit here. It's cool. She's getting her nails done. It's like, have her fighting some monster or something. I Do they? I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. You know, well, no, she's Isn't not. Is there like a valid thing that she's No, made? there's not really a valid thing for that okay. movie. There's no valid reasons for that movie. That movie's full of people. <laughs> no reason for that That's movie. full of people not communicating. Like Batman and Superman are just like, I don't like you. Why don't you not like me? Because you're too extreme. Like, well, you blew up half a metropolis. <laughs> yeah, but I don't do that anymore. Well, yeah, but still. <laughs> Pull back a little bit, man. Pull back. Sit down and have some tea. Have some tea. Have <laughs> <laughs> superhero problems. <laughs> Civil War could have been solved. <laughs> Cap, Tony, sit down and have some tea. Pretty awesome fight scene, though. <laughs> it is pretty awesome. That's why I'll get away with it. That's why I feel like the the yeah, I'll get a, a justification if you give me a cool giant, giant man fight scene. I feel like they had a valid disagreement in that one. They did, and also it was Where, kind of it was there was there was a ticking clock. There was a pressure on that one too. Right. They had a disagreement <laughs> as yeah. much as a, any kind of miscommunication. Right, and it's fundamentally different. Yeah, yeah. DC bad. <laughs> often, often so clumsy, far. very clumsy. So far, pretty bad. What were we talking about? We were talking about the uh, Cup of Tea, so I'm sorry your family got massacred. Yeah. That's when things, again, there's that scene where this is about, it's almost about to defuse. It's almost about to defuse. And then (laughs) hero guy comes in thinking he's the hero of the movie with like the weed whacker or whatever, the hedge trimmer or whatever. weed whacker. Was he saying something? like? He's got some action line, but it's like, and it's that moment where it's like, yeah, I'm an action hero. (laughs) He comes after Tucker, who jumps out of the way. (laughs) He weed whacks his friend. (laughs) Starts going, why wouldn't you duck? (laughs) Why wouldn't you duck? Why wouldn't you duck? (laughs) Like she's got spring reflexes. Like she's been training how to avoid getting attacked. So and, she gets weed whacked in the face. Right. Everybody jumps up and starts reaching for weapons. Well, yeah, like, uh, and again, even, again, Tucker and Dale are still not, they're not being aggressive. But again, Chad throws a table and almost axes Dale. Yeah. <laughs> then doesn't he pick up? He's the, he's the one that picks up the uh, the lantern. The lantern throws it, even though it's stupid because he's already been putting gasoline everywhere. Right. It hits the one. <laughs> it hits. It's the hero guy. Unfortunately, it gets his other friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's set on fire. <laughs> and then the the dumb girl again instinctively throws the moonshine moon moon on something. <laughs> And it just, he just goes up. Yeah. Tucker's like, no, not that. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where they're like, you know, stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> and it's like, again, this is, this is a really well-balanced scene because it is both horrific, goofy, and funny. <laughs> you know? It's, it's yeah. really well done. They really walk the edge here it's, very well. It's very well done. And the one girl starts immediately just sitting like, she's, just, she's done. She's checked out. <laughs> she sits there. She's just like smoking a cigarette. <laughs> It's like it's too much. She just flipped out. I, you can't blame her at this stage, man. She's that's too much trauma. And then the gasoline starts spreading. Right, it's spreading over some oil cans. And oh. He's like, "Oh, we should have moved." Those. <laughs> that's right. So they all run out of the house, except uh, for uh, Tucker, Chad. Dale, and Allie. All right. run out of the Chad's house. right behind him, but he gets caught by Weed Whacker Girl, who's still alive. Yeah. And she says something I can't remember. Something like, "Help me, help me, like help me." <laughs> And then the house blows up. It doesn't blow up, but it, eh, it kind of blows, blows up. <laughs> blows. It, doesn't, it doesn't fall apart. It just, the windows shatter and the doors break. And... Yeah, some kind of beam falls right. on Chad. And this is the part where I think the movie, I know they need more time. Because otherwise, I really love the idea. Here, here's how I would ideally end this movie. They would get in the truck, uh, Tucker and Dale and Allie, and they'd go away. And they'd straighten out the mess with like the cops. Or you'd cut to the cops, figure stuff out. And then you'd have all the scenes you have. And then at the very end, you'd have... The scene of, of Chad rising out of the wreckage. 
<laughs> sucking on his inhaler <laughs> and going like, <laughs> I think that'd be a great ending for this movie. I think it works fine because they need about another 10 minutes. And it, so they had to stretch it out. But I, I, there's, it's still a good part with the, the chasing and all that. And the, but it, it just feels totally a little different and out of place with this movie, I feel like. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I don't know what the ending should have been, but. Um, I just told you. <laughs> wow. Well, I deserve judgment on that. Um, but, right. They needed. They, they didn't have the stones to do an hour 20. I can't blame them. Kind of yeah. about 80 minute movies. <laughs> you know, but a lot of times people. People really. I remember uh, years ago, there's. I went to see the Mystery Science Theater movie in you know the theater. Yeah. This Island Earth, and I remember I, I really was excited to see it. And uh, this guy I knew at the time was just, oh, but it's only like seventy minutes. I'm not there for like. <laughs> give me a give me a good movie for seventy minutes that I can enjoy versus. Uh, well, that was terrible, but at least it was three hours. I'm not looking for filler. <laughs> oh, that really cuts me off about some of the Hobbit movies. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Well, we're talking about it's a it's a hundred fifty page book. Clearly, it deserves to be seven hours. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> so, I think you should right. talk about it. But here's what I think: you should talk about it for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the Hobbit doesn't need? <laughs> a love story. <laughs> I think what The Hobbit really needed was this 20-minute chase scene (laughs) through a goblin village with ridiculously unconvincing special effects. I love that. I think that's what I really need. And songs. So many dwarf songs. More dwarf songs. (laughs) They should have made up some original dwarf songs just to include in the movie. (laughs) So, you're right. We can only hope for uh, The Hobbit, the the sequels. (laughs) The Untold Story. Four, five, and six. <laughs> it's like uh, Lion King one and a half. It's like it's Hobbit one and a half. You know what? After this discussion right now, after this this uh, side thing we just had, I totally forgive Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> yeah, that could have been worse. <laughs> yes. yes. Ten minutes of, of something that doesn't quite fit. I can still with that. It's still entertaining. It's yeah, still good. Fit well enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Chad rises out of the wreckage. <laughs> That's right. His, his face half burned. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, and... he's, he's transitioned to uh, uh, the monster in the woods. Right, and they still say, well, maybe we can talk to him. <laughs> he just gets him and goes, Rah! Doesn't he do the inhaler first, I think? He's like, Whoosh. I don't remember. Rah! Does the inhaler first. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, no, we can't talk to him. We can't help him. They get in the truck, drive away, but they're foolish and they get in an accident. Right. Dale's distracted. Right, right, right. For uh, obvious reasons. Right. They crash into a tree. Yeah. Um, and we come back on Dale's perspective where he yes. wakes up and Ellie has been taken by Chad. Tucker's on the ground, bloodied. Yes. Because he tried to save her. Right. And, oh, by the way, I want to give credit. I don't know if we mentioned it, but I really like Jesse Moss. He plays Chad. I think he does a really good job. I think, you know, he's always on the edge in this movie, but as he gets farther and farther in the edge, it's degrees. He does a pretty solid job of, of, of moving those degrees. Yeah, I definitely agree with Yeah, that. yeah. So the the part where Dale always up seems a little weak, too, because <laughs> there was that action where Ellie was kidnapped, and they, they kind of skip over that. I think that also the problem is, is, this is one of the few cases where I'm like, well, I don't know why he wouldn't have killed them. Right. There's not really a justification for why he wouldn't have killed them. I mean, because I think what happened is he dragged Tucker out and then grabbed Allie out. Well, he's got this weird fixation on Allie. I yeah, guess yeah. I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't mind that he dragged her out. Yeah. I just think it's weird that he would not just kill these guys. Yeah, it's a little odd. I mean, it's it's like, I guess other than he's like, well, the story has to keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's why Nazis don't just shoot Indiana Jones. I think he wants that confrontation in the... Uh, I guess, but he, didn't leave, but he didn't leave, he didn't leave, 
any clue for that. The only reason they could find it is because of the dog. So it's kind of iffy, but it's all right. I don't care. I'll see. I'm not sure he was perfectly lucid. <laughs> so, uh, That's true. And plus, yeah, characters doesn't always have to behave perfectly rationally. Otherwise, every movie would be really boring. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, they can behave somewhat rationally. Right, yeah. Well, they can't believe that's completely the irrational. <laughs> yeah. That's... that's you could do completely irrational, and that'd be a really exciting movie, but it'd be really hard to follow. <laughs> Why Schwarzenegger walking around with a duck on his head? Ah, oh, don't overthink it. You ever seen uh, Primer? Yeah, I've seen Primer. In theory, those people are acting in rational ways, but it's on the edge of... <laughs> yeah, well, Primer's... I, I like Primer fine, but I'm not super enamored of it. I was like, uh, I know what you're going for, but you could have probably done an 80-minute movie. <laughs> uh, I like Primer. I it's mean, good, the purpose good. of it is the puzzle. Yeah. Definitely. More so than, like, character development. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I do like the, the, the one element of Primer I like is that where they realize one guy can, has been using the time machine. Yeah. And they never realized why or how he figured it out. <laughs> and I love that. And they say that. It's like in the commentary. They're like, well, that's because there's no way for them to know that. Like, literally, they have no idea what happens because of the time machine idea. And I was like, I love that because it's just, we don't have to give you an answer. There's really no answer you're going to get. Yeah. Because it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> so I love that idea because I don't need to justify it. Something happened. You'll never know. <laughs> And um, so, so then this is the moment where where Tucker gives Dell another pick me up speech about like you know you're you're better than you think you are. With the line, it's like you're you're you've got a good heart, you're strong, and you're not as ugly as you think you are. Yeah. Like <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> they use the dog. He uses the dog to go trace him down to the old right. sawmill. Tucker's out now. Yes, Tucker's <laughs> He's out. Two hundred. To go chase anybody yes. down. Um, so they find uh, Ellie and Sawmill. The old. There's a little scene before that where um, Chad's tying her to him. Yeah, yeah, and he's being creepy. <laughs> he's being creepy. He's got full snidely whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, it's one of those things that I do realize. Like, I always feel like that's really what makes a villain. A villain is like an interesting goal. But they don't know how to pursue it properly. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I think I like this girl. I don't know. I'll tie her to a tree. I'll tie her to a log and threaten to saw her in half unless she loves me. Dude, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a diehard. What is, uh, 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 what's his name? The, the Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber is kind of like, well, I want money. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we get it. We all like money. But maybe killing a bunch of people in the process is not the appropriate thing to do. <laughs> and it's like, but I really want money. <laughs> so that's what this guy is he's like guess the only thing to do I don't know that's weird that he got there but he didn't have to start that tired <laughs> to a piece of lumber <laughs> and I love this is like the deserted sawmill that still works yeah like Chad apparently knows how to operate it yeah still knows how to operate it I'm like that's all standard because otherwise it'd be really boring to have him sitting there trying to push buttons and nothing happening I think it'd be kind of funny it'd be kind of funny a little bit but of it'd fumbling. be it'd be taking away some of the yeah it's like at one point he uses, uses like the, the loudspeaker system and it still yeah. works wouldn't it be funny if it was just like <laughs> I can't understand what you're saying <laughs> I think what we're saying is we could write an ending for this movie <laughs> I loved all the, before they edited it, or before they re-edited it, the, the Bane, couldn't understand what Bane was saying in the original <laughs> previews and trailers, and people were complaining, and, and uh, Nolan was like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then people were like, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> That's your Bane. Well, not, no, eventually they edited him, so now instead he's like... Okay, Batman. And he's got a little bit more. But the originally, you couldn't understand him. There's a lot of humor to be made for people not understanding each other. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's got full snidely whiplash. 
And uh, he's lost it. And he wants hillbilly blood. That's right. And Dell, I love this sort of like he suits up. He suits up with like a chainsaw. Yeah, that's a great scene. Yeah, that should definitely be. <laughs> I don't know what they want to do the ending, but that should definitely be in it. That's a good scene. I do like that. Puts on some logging spikes. Gets a welding helmet, <laughs> chainsaw. Bursts in, and she starts screaming. Ah! He's like, "Oh, it's me! It's me!" I just want to look intimidating. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it does." So he's trying to untie her, right? Because I guess he didn't bring a knife. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but he's trying to untie this knot, and uh, I don't remember if Chad fights him first or starts up the machine. He starts up the machine, then and while Tucker's, I mean, Waddell's trying to untie her, then he gets the chainsaw and he's gonna un. He's using it delicately as much as he can to unbreak to break the ropes. Right, and that's when Chad comes in and knocks him down. Yeah, and start, they start fighting, <laughs> which is a pretty good fight scene. Actually, it's a pretty solid. It's pretty solid. It's like um, it's Chad hard to make it. A, Chad grabs a metal pipe, and um, Dale has the running chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to make a chainsaw work. I think as a melee weapon, <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, you yeah. know. Uh, but in this case, it works. I think it works pretty good. Yeah, I think they did well. At some point, Dale's on the. Losing into one of these exchanges and jams his logging spike. Oh, on yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good Chad's move. That's leg. a good move. I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah. I think a little bit before that, he tosses an axe that manages to hit the rope. Yeah. In free alley before she's cut in half. That's right. And then, so, so yeah, while he's check. recovering from the, the wounded leg, Chad's recovering, they run upstairs to the office. Yeah. And they're hiding. Barricade themselves out. Right. And then they find the, uh, the newspaper article about, uh, they find that, you know, the Hillbilly yeah, Massacre. Memorial Day Massacre. Yeah. And the guy looks just like Chad. <laughs> the, it's basically a picture of Chad. Right. The hillbilly right, get up. Right. So they realize that that's, that's Chad's father. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when, like, he's going to come in, he comes in with the chainsaw, and they're, like, <laughs> hold it up to him. It's like, you're part hillbilly. <laughs> no. Right. No. <laughs> right. And then he's just like, well, nothing, nothing's true. Nothing more matters anymore. And he's, he's just, like, it hasn't worked. But that's when they defeat him with the power of chamomile. There's <laughs> yeah. so a box of chamomile up there, and they throw it in his face. That's right. And he's, he has trouble with that. Right. And Dale goes, he'll be fine as long as he gets to his inhaler. As long as we give him his inhaler. And he falls out of the falls room. Out of his falls thing. out of the window. <laughs> but that's that is traditional. By the way, that's traditional monster serial killer death because they can always just walk away when you're not looking. He didn't get impaled on anything. He just fell down. It's true, right? And that's why when he's gone later on, they don't show it. But they, you know, when they have the reporter say the serial killer is missing, you know that he got up and walked away like right. he normally did. <laughs> I, I've seen that you know I've seen that movie just like oh he's gone and you look back and he's like oh. sure it's appropriate here. right it's, it's right. that kind of movie yes and then you see the, we see that's where we see the reporter and the cameraman so we know that the the other scene was basically the flash forward right <laughs> um, so then we go to the the hospital where Tucker's in bed uh, yeah. <laughs> they've reattached his fingers <laughs> one two fingers they not, not both may not be his <laughs> Dale brings him a beer with a ribbon on it Taps blue ribbon <laughs> and a straw and that's uh, kind of they go to the happy ending where the yeah this, and I like the scene I like the bowling scene it's just uh, like I said the joke at the end is kind of weak um, because it's kind of like oh isn't that funny someone got victimized it's like it's like which is weird because this movie's full of people getting victimized and hurt but it's mostly by accident and it's always portrayed as sort of a negative thing it's funny because of the the weirdness of it not because of like literally a man just knocked out a woman and is dragging her away right that's that's kind of that's that's a that's figuratively and almost literally a black eye on this movie. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. That falls a little flat. Yeah, it falls a little flat. And they're in like a crowded bowling alley. Right. And he's coming over to right. help. Right. 
Yeah. Knocked out girl. Other than that, yeah. uh, uh, it's pretty solid. Excellent movie. Ending has a couple of problems. But... Yeah, it has a couple of problems, but it's not. It doesn't have to be perfect to oh, be. It's perfect. That's right. It doesn't have to be perfect to be enjoyed. It's, it's no Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> they both. Hey, did you know that they both were raised by women named Martha? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You know that, right? That's the thing. The what are we talking about? <laughs> Batman v Superman. Batman's about to kill Superman. I didn't know Batman's name. Was, uh, Mom's name was Martha. Yeah, and Batman's about to kill Superman. And <laughs> Superman's like, "There's a woman named Martha who's being held somewhere." <laughs> and it's just you could have just told Batman that you needed help. And then Batman's like, "Martha." <laughs> Like, yeah, Superman has a mom. I'm sorry that surprised you, Batman. And that's when they become friends, because they both have the same mom's name. The movie sounds ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous. Probably see it if it pops it's up It's weird that, like, Batman has no problem killing a guy unless they're related in some Martha way. Yeah, it's weird that Batman has no problem killing somebody. <laughs> well, and even, like... I thought that was not his character. <laughs> it's very weird to be like, I'm, I'm going to go kill Superman. All right. <laughs> For no reason that I've heard. He doesn't like Superman. Superman's super dangerous. Wait a minute. You fight the Joker. The Joker's killed hundreds of people. Probably hundreds. But Superman, who's trying not to kill people, is a real threat. <laughs> write a writer petition, write, Dear Batman, please kill the Joker. I'm tired of him gassing all the city. <laughs> is this a new policy we're doing? Because I think it's probably, if that's fine... <laughs> I'm going to put Joker on top of Gotham's problems. Here's your hit list. Before Superman. I'm just saying. The bat hit list. Bat hit list. <laughs> if like, we think there's a 1% chance Superman will be evil. Well, the Joker's 100% evil. Yeah, but I really like fighting him. It's kind of fun. <laughs> what would I do on the weekends? What would I do on the weekends? Final thoughts. I think this movie's a, a really solid movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's some mistakes, but not terrible. Excellent example of a well-directed... Yeah, I think so. ...story um, that could have wound up being really, really flat. <laughs> well, you know, it's the same as sort of Killer Clowns, is that it's it's all about that weird balance about managing the absurd and the violent and the horrific and the silly. <laughs> right. It's really hard to do, but when it works, you can do a pretty interesting job. Yes, they walk that line, and uh, the, the movie's well-crafted. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, there is the one joke I like at the end, too, about giving her a helmet because she gets knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it's really only twice. But <laughs> she's out for else. a long time. She's out for a long That's the main thing. She's clearly got head injuries in the past. Clearly. <laughs> her bell's been rung too many times. So, <laughs> so are, do we want to talk about... Four uh, days as an underground boxer. <laughs> the farm. She worked the farm. That's she really what that farm. meant. That's right. Gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, so, uh, do we want to uh, talk about uh, next the movie we'll do next, or are we can talk about the addendum of the you want to like Deep Blue Sea? Yeah. Addendum? Well, so we were looking at uh, Deep Blue Sea. We released today. Oh because, boy! For uh, our literally dozens of listeners, I'm, I'm giving you a peek behind the curtain here. <laughs> We've recorded some of these ahead of time. We're not live. The, <laughs> some of you may not. My be, I guess. my main goal was to time yeah to literally on. just sit there. At the computer and wait for someone to download, and then Scott and I would immediately go into our act. <laughs> yeah, that sounds workable. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything else. That's right. So yeah, Deep Blue Sea. So yeah, we were looking at. Uh, we talked about Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, and um, you had a theory that rewrites. Had, there was some rewrites, some reshoots uh, after they showed the movie to a test audience. That is exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> Nobody liked that lady scientist living through the end of the movie. Right. They felt it was, she was getting off a little easy. 
And also, they they really liked LL Cool J. Because why preacher, <laughs> preacher, great character. And what's funny is like in that that trivia link that I we got um, was uh, they were literally less than a month from release when they did the test on it. Well, we got we can't like we don't have the sets and all that, but we do have like the Warner Brothers water tank. So we'll shoot some <laughs> scenes with uh, LL Cool J and uh, Patrick James, the Punisher. Yeah, the Punisher. <laughs> you were we, you were talking earlier. It's like the accidental masterpiece of. Deep Blue Sea, and as anybody who listened to our Deep Blue Sea podcast knows, we really think that movie works because of LL Cool J. <laughs> He's the heart of that movie. And to think that, like, the fact that we talked about it, he was also supposed to be a smaller part, and they kept liking him and kept extending him. Right. Which I think is... He was slated to die. Right. And, and early, and not be important, it really is this accidental... The most charming aspect of the movie. Yeah, one of the best parts about that movie is the subversion of expectations. Right, yeah. And it's funny that you realize that they Which didn't have that. <laughs> Some screener I was like, yeah, black guy gets killed near the end. Black guy gets killed here. You know, he's right. like, it's like girl, girl, hunky girl and beautiful, a beautiful girl and hunky guy walk away in the sunset. Hunky girl and hunky girl. Guy. Why not? You can, hey, we're open-minded. Sure. And, uh, and then their test audiences were like, yeah, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that about that. That movie was saved. Like they say about test audiences, but like in this case, the test audiences actually had good ideas. Yeah, so there's something to be said, I guess, yeah. about uh, making Sometimes. movies by committee. Sometimes. Well, every movie's made by committee, really, if you get down to it. <laughs> so, you know, if we come up with something, some tidbit on something we've uh, yeah we've reviewed already, yeah. stick it here at the end. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it never stops. <laughs> it's a process. The Ouroboros Serpent <laughs> the of this review. Of this reviews. It's actually like a, a puzzle. If you can figure out our last podcast, which hasn't happened yet, but will, it all ties into the first. <laughs> well, it has to now. <laughs> it has to now. <laughs> if uh, Killer Clowns 3D comes out. Oh, yeah. We can't be that'll podcast. be the end of it. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, next time, we're going to do uh, the car, the, the James Brolin movie. I forget what you I think it's like 1970 or something or 1980 or whatever. About a killer car that uh, terrorizes this desert town. I, I love this movie. I think it's one of the. I think this is unironically one of the best directed, underrated movies. It's generally scary. It's generally tense. It's got a pretty interesting villain of this evil car, and and I just think it's a really solid film. It's interesting. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. so well, so you may disagree. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, it's one. Of, it's one of my favorite movies. Like just unironically, and every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, this is a great movie. <laughs> And I love killer car movies, as we were talking about before the podcast. I love killer car movies. One, not more than one car. That messes everything up. That's why Maximum Overdrive is stupid. (laughs) It's because they start getting each other's way. It's like you have, it's like you need one cool thing, not 12 cool things. It reminds me a little bit of, have you ever seen uh, Iron Man 3? Yeah, where they've got all the suits. Right. And And they all blow up. (laughs) Right. They're all just like weak. It's like they're made of confetti. Right. It's like there's too many. (laughs) <laughs> the Wraith that's another great killer car movie <laughs> where the killer car is a good guy that's what's fascinating about that movie what yes subvert that expectation yes so uh, until then <laughs> he's Scott he's Lee and we just saved the movie bye bye